16. We're actually in a series and concluding the series this weekend entitled, Refresh the Presence of the Holy Spirit. God wants to refresh in his people and in his church the presence of the Holy Spirit. The American church right now is bending under the weight of selective believism. It has become popular in the United States right now for believers to pick and choose what part of the Bible to believe and what parts of God to accept. And the church in America is, is feeling the crushing weight of that selective believism. It's time the American church rehire the Holy Spirit. That we invite the Holy Spirit again into our midst and our life and into our churches. And I want to speak this weekend on the thought of open heavens. And I've entitled the message, Praise Opens the Heavens. Praise Opens the Heavens. There is a difference between a closed heaven and an open heaven. You say, well, what is an open heaven? An open heaven is an extraordinary working of God's Spirit to accomplish His purposes. In your life, God works in an open heaven in a way. It may be in your career, it may be in your family, it may be in strategic opportunities, but God works in in an unusual and an extraordinary way, and it doesn't just make life more comfortable. What it does, it extends God's purpose in your life. That is an open heaven. As Isaiah chapter 64, the the prayer there is, O Lord, send down your presence upon us through an open heaven. That ought to be the prayer of every believer. For you see, uh, an open heaven accelerates the favor of God. It accelerates the favor of God. Some of us are stuck in a status quo, a cyclical process, and we feel like we're going in circles. And what we need is God, by his favor, to accelerate us into his purpose. And God does that in open heavens. Belief opens the way. Faith opens the door. But praise will open the heavens. And there are times that we have an open way and even an open door, and what we need is an open heaven. I recently was sitting in a lobby area, and people in the lobby area were in this particular place. They were, some were reading books and on electronic devices and doing whatever people do, you know, just a pastime. And I was sitting at a particular place, and I was doing some studying, reading, had some, some extended time there. And there was a lady just a couple of rows in front of me. She had her back to me, and she was watching on her iPad a cooking show. And this particular cooking show was the Iron Chef. And the Iron Chef is such, they bring out three contestants and they're given certain ingredients and they have to cook a gourmet meal in a said period of time. And they bring their meal and they present it and the judges are there and based upon the quality, the presentation, the taste, etc., whether they pass and move on and move up in the competition or they are dismissed. Well, I was just glancing back and forth, and they made these meals presented. One person was dismissed, so now it was down to two, and they had to go back and cook again, and I'm watching on. Can I tell you, it looked great. I mean, what they were able to do, just randomly pulled together in a short period of time, they made these wonderful, uh, wonderful gourmet meals, and even the presentation, it looked so great just on the plate. I mean, it looked like it ought to be in a magazine. 
it was just it was just wonderful now what caught me about this is this lady was sitting there watching gourmet meals cooked but she was eating cheeses and drinking big red oh my goodness and i thought what a contrast watching a gourmet meal fix and you're eating Cheez-Its and drinking Big Red. Yuck. Mm. And then I thought to myself, I wonder if we do that. I wonder if we open the Bible, and in this Bible here is a gourmet of, of God's miracles and God's power. Oh, he sets the captive free. He does exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. He gives us peace that passes all understanding. God opens the door and he sets the captive free. And we go through the menu of God's miracles, but we munch on the mundane of a closed heaven. We look at the brokenness and we're munching on the, on, on the, on the confusion and conflict and the distress in our life while reading a Bible that says God does the supernatural and God sets the captive free. I want to invite us to experience an open heaven. Can I tell you, God is anxious to move in your life. God is anxious to move in the church. God is anxious to move in the American church. God wants us living under an open heaven where God is working in an extraordinary way to demonstrate his purposes in our lives. And I suggest to us, praise opens the heavens. With that in mind, we're going to go to Acts chapter 16 for the lesson our teaching today. And in Acts chapter 16, let me set the scene if I can. The account here is of Paul and Silas, the apostle Paul and his companion Silas. They're in a particular region in a city. And the Bible says that there is, at time that they were in the city and extended ministry, there was a lady that was demon-possessed. And they cast the demon out of the lady. And there was a man in the village, in the city, that was actually profiting from her demon possession. Do you know there are people that profit from, from demonic activity, from addictions? There, there are people profiteering right now. They want to keep us addicted to culture, addicted to stuff, addicted to a lifestyle that actually brings bondage to us, that actually brings slavery to us, and God wants to set us free. The beer and wine commercials will just flow and flow and tell you how much you need it. They want to keep you addicted and bound to something God wants to set us free from. And when this woman was set free from this demon, all of a sudden the person that was in charge of profiteering from her was upset and said, you need to arrest these guys. So Paul and Silas were arrested. False charges brought it against them. And then the Bible tells us in Acts 16, they actually beat them with rods, with poles. They just beat them. And finally, the false charges ended up putting them in jail. And they were put in the, in the inner jail, the jail in the jail, in the most confined area, that, 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 most, that most severe lockdown area in the jail. Which brings me to Acts 16, verse 24, 25, and 26. Let's read. And then when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, 
And the other prisoners were listening to them. Notice that. The other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Notice that. And everyone's chains came loose. Let's talk about an open heaven. Praise creates an open heaven. The Bible says that about midnight, they began to pray and sing unto the Lord. They tried everything else. I'm sure they had complained. I'm sure if there was a conversation earlier on in the evening, Silas, do you hurt as bad as I hurt? Uh, Paul, I ache here. Have you ever done that? Have you ever sit around and just start numbering off your, your aches and pains? Yeah. Sometimes Denise and I will do that. You know, my shoulder hurts. And she said, well, you know what? My shoulder and my foot hurt. Well, my shoulder, my foot, and my knee hurts. We begin to kind of up, you know. It's kind of like going to the work. Well, I don't like this. Well, I don't like this, and I don't like this about my job. Well, I don't like this, this, and this about my job. Or it's a conversation. I don't like this about my, my husband. Well, my husband is worse. He's this. Well, my husband beats them all. He gets the gold medal of being a jerk. And they'll begin to go down. And we just can begin to complain and complain and complain. They did that until about midnight. And the scripture says in about midnight, I'm caught by that. How are you at midnight? I don't know about you. I'm not my best at midnight. I mean, there's a point upon which I'm kind of over. My energy is drained. My bounce stops bouncing. My wit whittles. My spark fizzles. I just don't have anymore. I'm dry. I'm drained. I can't do it anymore. I am past the point of being able to do anything else. My creativity is gone and I'm just dragging. I reached that point. I'm not my best at midnight, but the Bible says, and about midnight, where, where, where it would be the lowest point of their experience. It would have been easy to say, well, you know, things may look better tomorrow. Let's get a little bit of sleep and see how things look tomorrow. My question rhetorically to us in the room is this. What will you do at your midnight? At your midnight, when the raise didn't come through and the promotion didn't come through, the best friend turned against you, the business didn't get the new contract. Things are not working out. Things are not progressing. Things are not coming together. Things have not happened the way you wanted. Things have not happened the way you prayed. If you've had disappointment and setback in your life, what are you going to do at your midnight? We typically complain, and sometimes we have the right to complain. It's not fair, God. It's not fair. I have done the right thing, and I'm being treated wrongly. But the Bible says at midnight they begin to sing and praise. And I have a challenge from the Holy Spirit to give you. Stop moaning and complaining and start praising and worshiping the Lord. Don't let the circumstances dictate your joy. Praise, the most powerful praise we have will arise at the most inconvenient moments. It's, it's understandable to praise when you got a promotion. It's understandable to praise when the business is flourishing. It's understandable to praise 
when your son just got a scholarship. It's understandable to praise when you got the biggest income tax refund you've ever received. But what about the time it's not working and you have a setback and you feel like life has kicked you in the shin and still you lift your voice and you say, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to praise him. Circumstances do not control me. I am going to live under my open heaven. I'm going to praise and bring forth God's joy and God's goodness in my life. Circumstances control our mood. You can walk in a place and say, what's wrong? Oh, the car. I got, I, I, it, it broke this morning. Oh, I got a ticket driving to work. Oh, this didn't happen. I got the worst phone call. Our mood reflects circumstances. So we're letting circumstances dictate. God intends that we rise above circumstances and that our praise is genuine and real in spite of circumstances. That circumstances will not, will, will not control our praise. God intends that we offer to him worship and praise and then let circumstances catch up to our praise. They begin to sing praises at midnight and then what happens? Suddenly, the prison doors flew open wide. Sometimes you just praise God and then the circumstances catch up to it later. Sometimes in the situation, the right thing to do and the right thing we need to do at the moment is just to lift up our heart and say, I'm going to sing anyway. I'm going to sing until the pain leaves. I'm going to sing until the situation changes. I'm going to sing until the heart changes. I'm going to lift up my voice and celebrate the goodness of God. You go to work Monday morning when everybody is complaining about a job reassignment. They don't like the work area. They don't like the new job. They don't like the new supervisor. And you walk in with a little bit of a stride in in your walk. And you have a little pep in your step. And people say, what's wrong with you? Did did you get a promotion? Did you get a raise? Did your mother-in-law move away? What happened? What's the good thing that happened in your life? Why are you so happy now? And you tell them, nothing has changed. I have changed. God put a song in my spirit. And I'm not going to let circumstances control me. I may not be in the workplace I want to be. The circumstances of my job may not be what I want them to be. But God is in heaven and I determine I'm not going to allow circumstances to control my life. Worship, praise, is God's antidote for the issues and the angst that we experience. Some of us, we only worship if we feel good. I don't feel like worshiping today. I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like reading scripture today. I don't feel like uh, singing. I don't feel like smiling today. has nothing to do with our, our experience. has nothing to do with our feelings at midnight having been beaten, falsely accused, and imprisoned, they begin to sing. And here's the lesson God is telling us. You may not control circumstances, but you can control your spirit, and you can rise above circumstances in your life. You see, worship, praise, is face time with God. Yeah. You catch a glimpse of God. 
You see a moment of God's heart. You capture a glimpse of God's spirit. You capture who God is and what God wants to do. It lifts you out of the mundane. It lifts you out of your misery. It lifts you out of the circumstances. And then all of a sudden God puts something in your heart and you're rejoicing and you're singing. It doesn't align with circumstances. It aligns with heaven. That is the Lord's prayer. It begins with a worship moment. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. The word hallowed is a worship declaration. I worship hallowed. I honor your name. God, I lift up. The first thing I'm going to do is I am going to honor you in worship. Then what does he say in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come and let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's an open heaven when earth aligns to what God has in heaven. How do we get there? We begin with praise. Praise opens heaven it's facetiming with god occasionally when denise and i are away we'll facetime with the grandkids oh we like to do that we haven't seen the grandkids in a few days and we need to have a grandkid conversation and a grandkid uh, uh, fix in our life we just like to visit with our grandchildren and i have a little three-year-old little granddaughter camila she's my sweetheart Oh my goodness, she can give me the hugs and she gives that hug squeeze around your neck and when she just tightens around my neck, my heart just melts. We'll FaceTime with her. Have you ever tried to FaceTime with a three-year-old? Yeah, my daughter will get the phone out and she'll begin to hold it and move, and, uh, and move it around because we're on the other end. Denise has the phone and we're both trying to crowd in there and we're saying hello on the phone to my, my granddaughter, little Camila. She's looking around. She hears her voice. Hi, this Papa. This Papa, she'll look around. But then all of a sudden she'll see a, a fly or she'll see something else as she'll reach for her mom and she wants something to drink. She she can't see us. She she's trying to get a trying to get a three-year-old to fix on the image on a phone is somewhat challenging. Here recently, we were FaceTiming. Hi, this is Papa. Hi, this is Papa. And she for a moment just kind of heard my voice, then she got distracted, but then all of a sudden I saw something. She saw me on the phone. And when she saw me, I realized it. Then all of a sudden, the image of her face got bigger and bigger as she reached over and she kissed the screen. And when she kissed the screen, my heart just melted. And I want to say, baby, you want ice cream or you want to go to Disneyland? You tell me what you want. We're going. Papa can make it happen. And I thought, that's God. If you capture his face, if you see God's heart in worship, if you can just capture and get in the throne room and you say, God, I see you. God, I worship you. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, you're you're the one that brings peace. God, you're the one that strengthens. God, you're the one that heals. When you capture God's heart, God just wants to pour out his blessing. God wants to assign his goodness. The heart of God is tapped through praise and the goodness of God through an open heaven flows to us. All praise creates an open heaven. Second law I share with you, an open heaven opens doors. Open heavens open doors. It's found in verse number 26. Verse 25, they're worshiping, they're praising, singing unto the Lord. And as they're worshiping, guess what happens? Verse 26, then all of a sudden, 
the prison door just flew open. They just didn't unlatch. They didn't just unlock. They flew open. And then all of a sudden, the chains just fell off of their feet. And I'm caught. Not only did it fall off the feet of Paul and Silas, but everyone in the room, the chains fell off of their feet. Here's what I want to tell you. If you move into God's presence, when you're in an open heaven, the chains fall off of your feet and those around you. You can walk into the workplace tomorrow and people can sense there's something different about you. The vulgarity and the off-color stuff they speak, all of a sudden their conscience will be disturbed and they won't do that around you. You step in a situation and people sense the calmness. People sense the peace. People sense there's something different about you. People sense there's something else going on in your life. You can be in this service right now and you all of a sudden begin to contact heaven. And then your son or daughter who's in uh, four states away. Your grandson that's two states away. That family member that's not even here. They're on assignment or they're in a locale on a TDY, temporary assignment somewhere. All of a sudden, they wake up. They're thinking they're going to quit this job. They're fed up with that. They can't do it anymore. They're going to quit school. They're going to walk out. They're going to give up on it. And all of a sudden, you get a text this afternoon. And they say something like this. You know, I was going to quit tomorrow. I was going to, I was going to walk out on school. I was going to stop doing it. I was, I was going to check out of this situation. I was going to walk away from the marriage. I don't know what happened. About 11 o'clock, I just all of a sudden began to think different. I realized how, how grateful I should be. There's something that occurred. I don't know why. All of a sudden, I remembered something. And it caused me to think. And the Holy Spirit starts a chain chain reaction and chains fall off of them and they're free that happens and the chains fell off of paul and silas feet and everyone that was around them that can happen and god wants to do it in your life in my life there is a phenomenon that's known as learned helplessness learned helplessness it's a condition that was discovered in laboratory tests with animals an animal was brought into a, an enclosed area and there was a negative stimuli quote sometimes there was a, a heat that was introduced in the floor was a little uncomfortable or a shock treatment that was introduced and they were trying to see the response of animals in that setting and the animal the animals sometimes when the shock would move to another place or try to get out of that contained area. But they noticed something in some animals. That the animals didn't think it was their locale. It wasn't where they were at. The animal thought the pain was everywhere. And the animal would stay there in that place where the pain and discomfort was being introduced and never move. Sometimes even the door was opened and they saw the animal didn't even try to get out because the animal thought well it doesn't matter if i get out of this cage i'm in this cage there's pain in this cage and there's pain outside of this cage and they discovered something called learned helplessness if the example of that is the circus elephant they put a steel collar around its ankle to keep the elephant from going anywhere there's a chain and an iron stake that's driven in the ground the elephant that 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 
that huge animal, muscular animal will try to pull away, but the collar around its ankle will pull and kind of bite into its foot. It will pull and struggle, but it can't move. And the more it pulls, the more pain is introduced in its foot. Finally, the elephant won't move because it realizes as long as the collar is on, the chain is there, it's spiked and it can't move. Later on, the chain will not even be spiked, it will be free. But the elephant has learned helplessness. As long as there is a collar, he feels chained and he feels like he can't move, so he doesn't move. It comes into the human experience like this. It's the person that says, there's no use trying. It won't get any better. There's no use going to counseling. It won't help. No use praying about it. No use reading a book. No use praying about it. No use going to church more. No use doing this. No use asking forgiveness. No use asking them for a second chance. They'll never forgive. They'll never forgive me. They'll never get over it. It's over with. I've messed up. It is permanent and I can't change it. And it's the way it is. And we humans can learn helplessness. What intrigues me is in the Gospel of John, chapter number 14, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit a name, and he called him our helper. (laughs) I like that. The Holy Spirit, the helper. He will help you and free you from the learned helplessness of your condition and move us into an open heaven. I want to tell you, God has an open heaven. And praise will open your heaven and set you free from the chains, from the limitations, from the hopelessness that you 